The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It was a special year, all things considered. Um, and a new experience for me, Draymond Loon. Tried to make the most of it. Come back, bottle this up. Everybody make the right strides. Take advantage of the summer and don't want to see us next year. To get through three rounds of the playoffs, um, beating the best teams in the league to get there, it's, um, frankly, it's exhausting. Um, stressful, um, emotional, um, physically tiring, um, all of that stuff. And, uh, you know, for for our team, our guys, especially the, uh, the core group, um, Dre and Steph, Clay, Loon, Andre, um, to be part of that um, six times in eight years, I don't even know what to say. It just takes an enormous amount of, of skill and determination and work, and I couldn't be couldn't be proud of our, our of our guys. We never lost the faith, but you understood how long or how hard of a process it was going to be to to climb the mountain again. It's built on years and years and years of experience and. You know, the, the chemistry that we've built and the fact that, I mean, I don't know what, I can't remember what the number was, but, you know, since the 2019 finals, how many days it was that me, Clay, Draymond hadn't even, you know, played on the, on the same court. But once we got healthy, we could pick up right where we left off and find a way to continue to get better through this playoff run to peak at the right time. And no one has proven that they can move us off that spot. And that's the mindset that we come into this thing with. Uh, we understand what it takes to win a championship. We understand the process and how you have to get better uh, throughout the course of the season. You know, it's not just about winning games throughout the regular season. You know, that's anybody can just win games throughout the regular season. Teams make mistakes. Uh, most teams in the NBA just aren't that good. You know, so you can win games in the regular season. That means nothing. You know, and we understand that. And so we we don't chase wins during the regular season. We we chase uh, improvement during the regular season, and I think we've done that. It's definitely a moment I'm going to enjoy tonight with my family and my friends. Uh, they were there during the dog days. Uh, you know, it was like a thousand calf raises a day, and you know it was painful at times. But I just saw this in sight and kept going, and just uh, proud of not only my effort, but our whole team, like we really gelled this year at the right time. And we have um, exciting times ahead of us. Each player has a unique individual background and story, and I'm happy for all of them, but it's hard not to uh, be most excited for Clay, given uh, what he's been through, the two-year absence, um, the fight that he's uh, been through to get back to this point. Um, uh, just incredible uh, accomplishment for him and, and for him to be a part of it. He's, he's just so, so happy again. It's, it's wonderful to see. Clay is a dog and, you know, I've said it over and over again. 
um, you know, he's going to fight. He's going to battle no matter what it is. And most important thing to him is always to win. And, you know, to take the floor like that with a guy every night, you know, you could see how much it was missing over the last couple of years, you know, and to have him back and, and you know, still not 100% back to Clay Thompson that we know, but working his way there, uh, it's, it's very special. And, you know, we're, we're lucky to have him back next to us competing uh, with us because we know, like I said, we know we're capable of when he is there. Hey, Mike, the, uh, one of the biggest compliments you can give somebody is they make difficult things look easy. You don't realize how difficult it is until you try to do it yourself or you try to ask somebody else to do it and they look at you like you're crazy and say, no, I can't do that. Why, why do you have that expectation? Why do you have that expectation? The Golden State Warriors have made this look easy and by this I mean the entire run because the run has different iterations and has different nuances and different quirks and different turns and they made it all look seamless let's start from the beginning where they went from this team this homegrown team primarily Mike uh, but throwing Andre Iguodala as a a, a smart free agent signing but these guys right here were drafted Draymond Green second round Klay Thompson and Steph Curry, first-round picks, they're drafted. The core of this team goes to the championship, wins it, wins it against Cleveland, then loses after winning 73 games. After winning 73 games, by the way. (laughs) They lose it. They incorporate a free agent like Kevin Durant, and it seems like he grew up with them. He fit right in, at least on the court. Maybe off the court was a different story. They win a couple more. They go down to the shadow of the Valley of Death. They missed the playoffs two years, finished with one of the worst records in the league one of those years, get lottery picks, bring Klay Thompson back for 32 games this year, and hey, how you doing? Back in the NBA Finals for the sixth time, sixth time in eight years? This is incredible. They are freaks. I say they're freaks of the industry because it's a shout-out to the East Bay, shout-out to Oakland, shout-out to San Francisco, Digital Underground, but different context here. This is freaky what they're doing. And I didn't even mention the head coach who was with one of the greatest dynasties as a player, the Bulls, and now is one with one of the greatest dynasties uh, as a head coach. Uh, my salute, my hats off, uh, bow down, whatever you want to do for the Golden State Warriors, whatever your salutation, your greeting and salutation and sign of respect is, to the Golden State Warriors, I'm going to give it to them. Incredible job. Props. Yeah, I'll go back to that Bulls dynasty. Um, Jerry Krause, and he, of course, caught a lot of flack for this when he said it and certainly caught a lot more flack for it when it was uh, a big part of the Last Dance documentary is when he said that players don't win championships, organizations win championships. And right church, wrong pew. Or, or, or might not even be the right phrasing for it. He just shows the wrong word. He should have said culture wins championships. And that's what I think about when I look at these Warriors and all the iterations of this dynasty. And I just think about the culture. Uh, I think about how it's clear that everybody is pulling in the same direction from the top down. 
it's clear that even though they may be competitive and competitors, they don't have egos, at least at the expense of one another. Um, you know, Steph Curry, a lot of people, there's, there's multiple definitions of, of the word uh, humble and humility. And a lot of people confuse, you know, humility with, um, you know, meekness or, or just being nice and quiet or soft-spoken. So when you see Steph shimmy or when you see him do the night-night or when you see him turn around after shooting a three, it's like, oh, he ain't, he ain't humble, he's an a-hole. Well, you can be both because as a leader and as a culture setter, that humility is what drives these warriors. You mentioned it. To go from what they were when they were the homegrown warriors and everybody kind of loved this up-and-coming, fun-loving team to being the hated warriors when they infused Kevin Durant, they never got enough credit. And I don't know that Steph got enough credit. In fact, Steph got a demerit in some people's minds, unfortunately, for adding Kevin Durant and riding shotgun, if not taking a back seat in some occasions, the finals in particular, to Kevin Durant, people looked at that as a reason to knock Steph Curry and his greatness as opposed to looking at it from the standpoint of he's so good that he made life easier for Kevin Durant and yes. moved over seamlessly to incorporate Kevin Durant. So yeah. then he goes through, they go through that, that, that two-year uh, odyssey that you referenced. One where everybody was hurt and the other one where Steph came back and showed you how great he could be flying solo, so to speak, all right, when he was in the MVP conversation. Then he comes in this year and makes more adjustments and more accommodations. And it's not just Steph Curry, but it's, of course, starts with Steph Curry, at least among the players. But all the while, led by Steph Curry, this organization stayed the course. I mean, they could have blown mm -hmm. it up. They could have tried to go for the quick fix. Instead, they took what came to them and they made the most of it in drafting Wiseman, Kaminga, and Moody, and of course, developing Jordan Poole, man. So I just, you know, I think that the hats off, those, the Western Conference champion hat goes off or is tipped to everybody from Joe Lacob to Bob Myers to Steve Kerr and to this core that that is, that is really just kind of stuck together in a unique way because you know this, Michael, NBA historian that you are, not every championship core gets along and they, they don't have to. They don't have to. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, that's right. You know, you don't you don't have to get you just got to work together on the court and we could all be successful. But not only do they thrive on the court, they seem to love and pull for one another off the court. Like that's genuine this love they have for Clay Thompson. You know, who Draymond may be the heartbeat of the team, but I would say the soul of the team might be Clay Thompson, one of the most beloved figures in the NBA to watch them celebrate him last night and just to watch his comeback. You want to talk about inspirational, man. Talk about the valley of the shadow of death. His injury or his second injury, I should say, was really what we thought was the last night of the Warriors dynasty. I think it came out around the draft. That news that he had torn his uh, ACL after tearing his Achilles in the final. And so mm. for him to come back and be the player that he is, and again, everybody is fine not being in the spotlight. And yet here they are once again back in the limelight. Just an incredible, uh, just an incredible story of culture, incredible story of, of, of shared commitment. I'm one of those people, Michael, a lot of people get bored 
with greatness. They get bored with reruns. See, I'm one of those people that watch the same movie over and over again, as you know. You know what I mean? Right. That's why I can quote them so well. I don't mind seeing yeah. reruns. I don't mind greatness because I'm more of an appreciator than I am a hater. So this is an opportunity to appreciate this journey from 2015 to 2022 and say, wait, what are they doing so well that not only the rest of the yeah. league can learn from, but we could all learn from in whatever walk of life, you know, that, that, that we're in, whatever, whatever arena we're in. We may not be in the NBA arena, but there's, there's lessons to be learned about how to lead, how to follow, how to stay the course, how to believe, how to unite, how to share. I mean, it's, it's really, there's not, I, I put it this way, there's not going to be a documentary where somebody, or a book written 10, 20 years from now, where somebody's like, man, I really couldn't stand that guy, or, or that guy was jealous, or I didn't get what I deserved from the media, yeah. or I was a better player than I got credit. None of that, you ain't seeing none of that with this group. Ain't no dirty laundry to be aired with this group. The closest thing was when Kevin Durant and Draymond kind of like, you know, they, they had their clash toward the end. But other than that, this is this is not only a dynasty. This is the prototypical dynasty. This is yeah. a flagship franchise. This is um, a, a, an organ, the, the model organization, not just in the NBA, but perhaps in all the professional sports right now. Yeah, they make it look good. And it's funny. The reason I start smiling at the very beginning of your comments when you said when you made that reference to Jerry Krause, uh, God is my witness. No, no, God is my witness. Oh, did I know where you were going? Um, this morning, I was about to write in a feed organizations indeed win championships. I was about to say it. I was about I was about to make a reference to that and flip it around. Yeah. And it's funny how you bring in the Bulls too with the last dance. And, and you mentioned Michael. So Michael did it too. Um, they won six in eight which is just crazy. They won six championships in eight years. Um, but it's it's different. It's a different feel, as, as you just referenced. Like Horace Grant and Michael Jordan, uh, that ain't, they ain't cool. Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, they ain't cool. So there's some people at their core, they were homegrown too, but yeah. as Clay Thompson, Clay Thompson quotes John Wooden, and says it's amazing what you can accomplish when nobody is worried about who gets the credit. Yeah. So that's the difference between the Bulls and, and, be. and, and the Warriors. So look, that's, I don't they're know. Very, if they're Jordan, very Spurs-like. It, they're very Spurs. They're more did Spurs than they are Bulls. Right, 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 Michael. Did Jordan need yeah. the credit? Did, yeah, did Jordan need the credit, or he he was fine with all the credit he was getting? Was it his teammates who were saying, "Well, wait a minute, man. Why don't you give it? Put in a good word for a brother when you're up there." Uh, during your press conferences uh, instead of saying my supporting cast stop talking like that. You know, why don't you give us some love? I don't know what the dynamics were internally, but I know that's not the issue with the Golden State Warriors and you're right Spurs uh, where Steve Kerr also has a background. Uh, st the, the Spurs weren't like that. Right the Spurs. It was they like had, they, they Popovich, had, they had Duncan, Duncan Robinson, yeah. all those guys Manu Parker and it was just and, like and it was cool. And, they had a lot that's not to say that the Bulls way it obviously worked or the Lakers way, you know, with Shaq and rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, it obviously worked. But this is just and it's also fun to watch the evolution of how this team is is covered is dissected is discussed because as you know, they were like they were young and cute. We went over this before they went from young and cute 
to like once they started winning too much, people started hating him. And then when they added Kevin Durant, and I'll come back to that in a second, people really hated on him. Oh, you got to get Kevin Durant in order to beat LeBron James. And then they fell off, and we thought the dynasty, or some people thought the dynasty was over. And then they come back, and now we appreciate Steph as he's putting on a show, you know, trying to, you know, fight the good fight practically by himself from an offensive standpoint uh, last year, getting him uh, to the play-in, but not the playoffs for a second straight year. And then back to this year, where early in the year, it's like, oh, okay, this team is fun again. This team is lovable again. We could root for this team again, says some of the former haters, some of the reformed haters. We can root for this group again. And, and early in the season, to say that nobody thought they'd be here, at least this year, I'm not talking about the last three years or what have you, but this year, that's not true. Because early in the year, everybody thought they get Clay back and he's an approximation yeah, of what he it, used to it. be. They're going to be a problem yeah. in the playoffs. We didn't see Jordan Poole coming like this or even Andrew Wiggins doing this in the playoffs. But in, and even we talked about the other day, Wiggins and, 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 and what he's become, all because of the culture here. You know what I mean? So, you know, I... This is why, man, I'm, I'm reluctant to like declare, make, make definitive declarations when it comes to special people. Like, I, I don't have the receipts, but you and I had some discussions over the last couple of years about. I, I'm walking out now. I'm walking out now. I mean, I. You oh gonna say the same God. thing? Oh you gonna say the same thing? Again? That's two? On a different, on a different topic. On a different topic, absolutely. Absolutely. What topic? Go, Go ahead. ahead. What topic? I was gonna say it just like that. Way down the bottom, uh, uh, hip hop. And hip hop, I told you yesterday, I sent you a text yesterday off a of common freestyle. I heard it on uh, Power 106 in LA, keep it in California. The LA Leakers. You ever hear that? Uh, it's like yeah. they, they just bring uh, MCs on and just have them freestyle. I heard a common freestyle. It was so dope. Eight minutes. It was incredible. And I was like, okay. you know what? During his shout out, he was thanking them for inviting him on the show. During common. his shout out, he was like, hey, Commoners, commoners, like, hey, I just want to shout out all the people who have been here. Shout out KRS-One. Shout out Rakim. Uh, shout out Big. Shout out Andre th- 3000. He's going on and on. I'm like, you know what? Mm, I'm done. I'm done with top fives in hip-hop. Over, over. I will never do it again. There is no top five for me in hip-hop. There's just too many great people to oh. trivialize oh, okay. what they've done. So you're talking about, the, you're talking about the declaration part. Yeah, yeah, the declaration the de- of, okay, hey, that's the That's the word. Yeah. Okay, I got you. All right, okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's too many like, oh, this is the best MC, or he's a top five MC. Right. Oh, he's not top five. She's not top five. It's too many people, and it's too gotcha. much greatness for us to just kind of compartmentalize well, that's a great, that's and, a great and push people to the side. I really like that's a great job of sticking a little sidebar in it. That was an awesome sidebar. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about the declaration of they're done. The dynasty's dead. I'm sure you remember those yeah. conversations that yeah. you and I had. I'm like, eh, I'm not so sure about that. I'm not so certain about that because and it was all big ifs. Granted, it was big ifs. But if Clay can come back, Steph will be Steph. Why can't they compete for championships? Did I think it would be? A matter of, 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 of one season? No, because I mean, you know, in the time we've been on the air, they've been a, 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 you know, a borderline playoff team last year and now back in the NBA Finals. So it happened faster than I thought. My point is when you have people like this to say what they won't do, can't do, or are done doing definitively, I think is a mistake a lot of times. Yes. But the, another, yes. another mistake that we made is with Kevin Durant. And and again, I say we, but a lot of people looked at it through the prism of Durant. 
and and or, or the negative the ne from a negative perspective, I should say, both Durant and the Warriors. Durant that, you know, oh, you couldn't beat them, so you joined them. You know, you blew the three one lead. Now you go join a team that beat you uh, in in the Western Conference Finals that year, and then. From the Warriors' perspective, it's like, oh, don't y'all have enough? Do y'all have to get Kevin Durant too? That's the only way you're around LeBron James go get the the second best or even the best player in the world. When really it was a commentary and a reflection of just how fun it is to be a part of that group, you know, and yeah. how much Durant at the time. Now he left, but at the time was like, I just want to be a part of that, you know. Or the Warriors being like, hey, why not add somebody who? Is not it's, it's not the quick fix that it is for a lot of teams. A lot of teams like their, their their chemistry is so incredible that it could sustain or it could survive these various iterations. Like even make room, making room for Jordan Poole for crying out loud, you know. I mean, it's just incredible how no how everybody eats B with the Golden State Warriors. Whereas you know a, a lot of other teams are like, oh, if we get this star and this star and voila, we got a championship. Like this team has managed to marry being both homegrown and being aggressive when it comes to additions and and yeah. spending money in a way that that few if any other franchise and, has and listen I mean they, they've done some maneuvering here now it's like you know we've kind of no question they ain't just sat on their hands we, yeah I and mean, we kind of uh, glossed over it but how about at one point let's talk about some of the people who were warriors at one point D'Angelo Russell was a Golden State right. Warrior, right? So right, who they, they flipped they for Andrew in, Wiggins? Bring, yeah, they bring in D'Angelo Russell. They make that trade, and they bring him back. And and then, at the very beginning of the dynasty, they really have been. Here's the word I want to use: very intentionally use this word with the Golden State Warriors. They've been blessed. They've been blessed. They really have. I mean, you think about their story. They've had so. so Iguodala is a free agent. It's, it's very rare to get a free agent like that who was raised in another organization and who becomes known. I don't think about Iguodala as a sixer. I don't right. think about Iguodala as a nugget, not as a nugget. Oh, look, at, Iguodala, look at the guy. Iguodala is a warrior. Look at the guy who handed Steph Curry the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals MVP trophy, Sean Livingston. You know, I mean, they, right. they, Harrison Barnes, the list goes on and on. Yeah. It really just comes down to... People, I'm telling you, man, people are going to rule some of those days. And there's a lot of, uh, as they say nowadays, freezing cold takes about Steph Curry and his greatness, or in some cases, his overratedness. Let some people tell it. Uh, it's, this is a bad day for a lot of people, but it's a great day for sports. It's a great day for the NBA that the Warriors are, are, are back in the NBA Finals. It's so good. I'm so happy for him. I might spin a freestyle right now. Turn my levels up. What's up? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
Man, I tell you what, Michael and Mark Spears from Anscape, um, with every news update from Texas, I, I can't tell you how much I needed to see that scene from a school. That's what school is supposed to be about. That is what it's all about. Usually this time of year, at least over the last 15 years, LeBron James, we're talking about him in the finals. Obviously, he's not there, uh, but yet he's still winning nonetheless. Um, and, and Spears, listen, before we get uh, to the conference finals, the Warriors, and then whatever's left of the Eastern Conference Finals, let's, while we're on the subject of LeBron, let's touch on the people chasing the Warriors once again. Starting with the Lakers, I'm curious, what do you have, what do you know about their head coaching search? <laughs> Not a lot, bro. They're keeping it real, real close to the fast. Sometimes it's Darvin that Ham, <laughs> Hey, man. I, I ain't got a lie, right? Just um, yeah. somebody I'm really, really intrigued by. You know, former assistant coach there certainly is is paid his dues. Um, I know that they're in terms of David Fisdale and, and Phil Handy, um, the guys on staff that probably should get a look. They're not getting a look, which is uh, certainly disappointing for some other guys who have been paying their dues as well. But it's a, it's a very, very long search, interesting search uh, in terms of LeBron James' impact on it. Uh, I'm, I'm not quite certain uh, how much uh, they're, they're letting him be involved in it, but obviously, if if Mark Jackson is someone that's interviewed, uh, you know that that certainly has LeBron James uh, written all over it. So it's kind of went a little longer than and perhaps it should. You you would think that they would like to get uh, someone in before the draft. So yeah. I, I would expect sooner rather than later they would get this done. And then on a, you know, somewhat related note, uh, some people have uh, viewed him as maybe the next LeBron from a skill set standpoint. Of course, Luka Doncic uh, exceeded expectations from a playoff standpoint uh, with going to the Eastern Conference, uh, Western Conference Finals, I beg your pardon. Uh, Jason Kidd had some comments last night that many took as a referendum or commentary on what Luka still needs to improve upon if the Mavericks want to be regulars this time of year. Here's Jason Kidd, and we'll get your reaction to that. Well, no one had us playing at the end of May, but that, those guys in that locker room believe that they can compete and play at a high level. Now it's about what's our appetite come next season. Are we going to just tiptoe into the season, or are we going to be hungry? And then are we going to train this summer to understand what it means to play into May and June? Because, it, it, you know, it's, it's a long season. What did you take from that comment, Spears? And how do the Mavs take it to the next level? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess you could vaguely think it's about the whole team, but maybe uh, as you guys seem to be alluding to it, I, I would agree with it that he's, you know, talking about Luca. He seemed to tire as the game went on. Um, 
And in, in order to be, I think, elite in, in this league, and it, you know, uh, LeBron James certainly learned it from Kobe when he went to the 2008 Olympics. You, you got to be in a elite shape. And uh, so, you know, you can't just be young and think that's good enough. I mean, that's what's kept Chris Paul's longevity in the league. Um, kept mellow around is, you know, they're, they're probably much lighter than they were at the beginning of their careers. So I, I think Luca needs help. Uh, and I believe Nico Harrison, uh, the president, Michael Finley will get that help for him. But on this level, man, yeah, you, you have to be on tip top shape. And I think another thing that Jason Kidd has been pushing for him is to be a better defender uh, and, and push him to be great on both ends and not just one end of the court. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I'm wondering, Mark, because of your background with the East Bay, you know this area very well. Uh, the Warriors winning. What does it mean? What does it mean to that franchise? Longtime followers, especially of that franchise, they were beaten down for a while. They always had good players come in. They lose the good players. Going back to the run TMC days to just on and on. They all, you know, Chris Webber. They had a lot of good players come through there, but they were never able to put it together. What is this? This sixth, uh, you know, championship appearance. Uh, what does this mean for that area? Well, for for the kids, y'all kids' age, they think this is the norm, <laughs> right? But I, I remember yeah. growing up in the Bay in the lean years, watching on black and white TV channel 36. They're horrible. They're horrible for a long time. And and the fans here would get excited if they, man, they're only four games out of the eight spot with a month left. Maybe they, you know, that word was the expectations. And now the expectations are such that it's, it's championship or bust. And so it, it's been amazing turnaround for them. Uh, if you didn't know better, you know, this has been the case for a while because of Steph Curry, because of Clay, because of Draymond. And if you look at the young guys on their team, like this isn't coming to an end. Uh, the window was not closing. This isn't the end. Like Wiggins is 27. Ooh, I think he could drink. He barely could drink now, right? Uh, you know, Kaminga, Moody. And look, the same thing that happened to... Uh, Joel Embiid, where he missed the first couple of years and then became a superstar, I think is going to happen with James Wiseman. I really believe that James Wiseman is going to be a problem in this league once he, he could get healthy. And uh, they certainly could use him right now. So, no, this, is, this isn't the end. This isn't the end. I, I see them contending for several years to come. And this is a Spurs-like dynasty where you have stars uh, like David Robinson to... Tim Duncan to Tony and Ginobili to Kawhi pass the torch around for about two decades before for the well run ran drop. So they're back in the finals for a sixth time in eight years, um, but they, there's a little bit of business left, and that is to win the whole thing uh, before we start celebrating a return. Um, as Draymond said last night, as we all expect, based on the last game, based on the way the series is, is playing out, it looks like it's going to be the Celtics. Uh, but I, I struggled. To, <laughs> I, I struggle, and I know, and I know, Michael agrees with this. I struggled to assume that the Celtics will get this over with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, or or is of the Heat talk about being run down and being you know just beat up? 
uh, have the Heat just simply run out of gas and we're looking at a potentially classic Warriors Celtics final? I'm, I'm not giving up on the Heat. Jimmy Butler is, is great with his back against the wall. I, I know that Heat culture, uh, they're going to fight. Yeah, right. B.J. Tucker's going to fight. Kyle Lowry's going to fight. I also do know, and you guys do know this, that playing in Boston can be the more, one of the more intimidating places to play in the league. When you're the visiting team and when you're the home team, they lift you up when you're down. They keep you in it. They, they keep you energized. So uh, there's definitely an amazingly large home court advantage here that if the Celtics do take a lead, uh, that energy could, could lead them to back to the finals. Uh, but there is certainly some pressure, and you guys know this, man. There's nothing like walking into that venue and seeing all those banners on top of you, seeing all them retired jerseys, and knowing the standard that comes with wearing that Boston Celtics uniform. So to me, this is that kid you're showing right now, Tatum. Night. This is his trademark night where he walks into the door with Larry Bird, Havlicek, other the great other great small forwards in that that franchise's history he has to lead them there and uh, i definitely think that one he has the talent to do it but two he needs to do it because this team needs rest they don't need to play in a game seven they don't need to go down to miami and then fly they, they got to fly across the country whatever team wins so they they need to man they, they need to get that training room and turn it off for a second you know, trust me, Draymond Green going to have a real nice bottle of wine tonight watching that game with his feet up and his little little boy next to him, right? Like, they're resting, and, and Gary Payton's going to be back. Porter's going to be back. Um, the Celtics need that rest, too, if they want to win a championship. Spears, uh, of these two teams, my last question for you before we let you go. Between these two teams, who matches up best with the Warriors? Um... You would think that the Celtics did because everybody points to their size, but the Celtics were also 21st uh, in points in the paint in the league. So I think their size can be deceptive. I think it's helpful for them defensively because, uh, you know, in terms of Robert Williams, if he's healthy in a shot block sense, and you know, Thais, if he's healthy, you know, you know, Horford. But I do think that Adebayo would probably give them more problems inside. I don't think the Warriors right now have anything to stop that. Jimmy Butler is a problem. The defense of PJ. I, so as crazy as this might sound, I mean, they're both a problem. I think Miami probably matches up a little better if they're healthy. All right. Good to see you healthy, brother. Thank you so much. Surprise you, huh? Landscape. <laughs> a little Great bit. artwork. A little bit. A little bit. Yes. Exceptional artwork. <laughs> All right, man. We'll talk to you later. Take it And that sign, too, by the way. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, that's a flex. That's a flex. Sounds like State represent. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right, it is time for our Axe interview of the week. And who better to spend some time with than our dear friend, uh, Dr. Myron Roll. I mean, <laughs> the dude's resume is just unparalleled. Um, a neurosurgeon, a former uh, NFL player, a Rose Scholar. I mean, and, and listen, I go back with Myron Roll. Uh, he's been my role model. Uh, since since he was a Rose Scholar. I believe that's when you and I first met. And I said back then, I want to grow up and be like you and what you've done in the years since, including the publication of your book, The 2% Way, How a Philosophy of Small Improvements, wait, let me get this right, How a Philosophy there of Small is. Improvements took me to Oxford, the NFL, and neurosurgery. Um, this, this should be on everybody's reading list if you want to know how to tackle life uh, the way that Myron role has uh, in various arenas, whether it's football, whether it's philanthropy, and of course, uh, medicine. Um, but here's where I want to start with you, Myron, and thank you so much for being here, man, is um, I saw you talk about recently in an interview about the vulnerability you display in this book when it comes to the self-doubt, uh, the uncertainty, and the social awkwardness uh, that you've experienced over the years. And I said to myself, wow. Like this is a guy who on the outside like looks like he's got it all together and could walk into any room and feel comfortable. How did you push through those battles uh, with self doubt uh, and, and uncertainty and insecurity? Well, you know, that's uh, one of the blessings of this book. Like, uh, you know, it's just you have this opportunity to be very vulnerable and open and transparent with uh, readers about the challenges and the struggles uh, that you faced. I remember coming down as a prep school kid in New Jersey, down to Florida State, Tallahassee, Florida, where a lot of my teammates had dreadlocks, gold teeth, listening to Plies and Trick Daddy and eating country fried steak. I mean, just the culture was so different than what I was used to. <laughs> and then hopping over to England at Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar and being feeling like a little bit like a jock when you have people who have got nine degrees and have been published 17 times and, you know, are written about in Nature or Science Magazine or something like that. So always feeling like a little bit boxed out or a little bit uncomfortable. And the way that I felt I was able to mitigate that that feeling of awkwardness or that feeling of discomfort or dis-ease was applying this 2% way, this process of just saying, you know what, let me just get a little bit better at something that I know I can improve on every single day, those consistent steps towards being a better version of myself and then finding that common ground with those around me so that I'm able to have peace and continue to move forward. When were you able to enjoy your first small win? Because I'm, I'm, I'm sure we all have small wins we don't necessarily look at it in the moment. Then you look back and you say, wait a minute. That was that was significant. I kind of glossed that over. I didn't celebrate that enough. When did you get to that point where you were aware of the small wins that you had and you were able to celebrate them? You know, so I learned the 2% way process from my coach at Florida State University, my defensive back coach, D coordinator, Mickey Andrews. He wanted us to get a little bit better every day in practice, our stamina, our ability to tackle, 
our ability to high point the football. And I extrapolated that mindset of just feeling like I can take small steps and breaking down a bigger goal and feel good about myself in doing it. And so when I applied for the Rhodes Scholarship, the first time I went through my interview process, I did terribly. I, I just, I was unprepared. I was egotistical and arrogant. I went in just not ready to perform at my optimum. And I took that 2% way process of activating and mobilizing resources around me. I found a Rhodes Scholar who could help do a mock interview with me to get me ready. I read articles. I was watching CNN and all the late night news so I can stay up on current events. I would talk to people around Waffle House and around Tallahassee community about the Rhodes Scholarship and try to get my words out and, and, and enunciate as best I possibly could. And I saw those small steps every day end up in me uh, winning that scholarship and changing my life and making me a role model for young people around the country and even around the world. So it was definitely a blessing. And I think that was the first time that I've seen that process take hold and get me from point A to point B seamlessly. You seem to have the world and again, man, I've been impressed with you for the first time I heard about you and even more so when I, when I got a chance to finally meet you. Uh, I don't know how many years ago that is. That was now almost 20 years ago feels like. Um, you seem to have the world in, in the palm of your hand and seem to just have, uh, you know, such direction and, and, and such, you know, um, self-awareness about And then you do it, everything that you seem to put your mind to, I guess I would say. So even right now, even as you write the book and you pass along this 2% way wisdom to others, what are you getting better at 2% each day right now in your own, either professional or personal life as the case may be? Well, it's a great question. Yeah, I think for me, I'm always trying to get better as a father. We had talked, uh, you know, off air about, um, you know, being a new dad uh, again, a second time. I have twins of 21 months, and new twins are 30, uh, three weeks old. Uh, so y'all like trying two, to balance. Y'all like that. twos in your family. You're all about everything good for you comes in twos. Twins great, twice in two percent way. I got. I, I feel you. I like it. That's on brand. Congratulations. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, definitely congrats to my wife. Mostly. I mean, she's a, a rock star. <laughs> she's there amazing. I just do what she says, you know, <laughs> but, um, on, but, but yeah, so, you know, being a father um, and, and, you know, trying to improve, you know, how I'm leading this home uh, in this Christian environment that we're in uh, trying to improve um, my foundation, my philanthropic efforts back home in the Bahamas and around the Caribbean, delivering equitable and timely accessible neurosurgical care for the most vulnerable populations, those marginalized populations in lower middle income countries in that region. So there's a lot you know, that we're doing, but thankfully by the grace of God, I've been able to stay on balance, stay on beat and continue to move forward every day by having people who can check in on me, make sure I'm doing well, praying, you know, writing things down, checking it off, and then having that moment of self-reflection, like, did I get better today? Have I moved forward? And then tracking my progress every month or, or six months to say, yes, I have gotten better and I am a better version of myself, better today than I was yesterday, for sure. Man, that's such a word. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, Latoya, who herself is a pediatric dentist? Okay, so it's like, you know, and, and you, I, I'm sure you appreciate the, uh, the phrase that we love to use when it comes to our, our wives. You definitely outkick your coverage as a former player yourself. You know, you know what we're talking about. I mean, just what, what kind of, 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 of woman is she? Because I imagine she makes you better uh, as, as, as a father, as a husband, as a neurosurgeon, as a partner. Like, just tell us more about the relationship that you guys have. Well, Toy is all that. She's a queen. Uh, she's my rock. She's phenomenal. It was the hardest time of my life when uh, the pandemic hit. 
And, um, you know, I sent, she was pregnant with our first set of twins and I sent her down to be in Georgia with her, her family because I was afraid that I would infect her and that somehow would infect the kids that were unborn at the time. So that three, four or five months that we were separated was very difficult uh, to try to mitigate some of the pressure that I had in the hospital. She's somebody who I can decompress with. I can just be unfiltered with and talk through a lot of challenges. And when she wasn't there, uh, based on the pandemic, it was tough, but she's a rock. She's amazing. Uh, she went to Tennessee State University, HBCU, and now she's a pediatric dentist in Orlando and just a phenomenal person that is everything that you said, my best friend, holding this family together so strong, uh, and I love her dearly, and, and she, she makes us all go. And, uh, you know, I, I typically, you know, leave the family, you know, pounding my chest, but she tells me what to do mm-hmm. in my ear, and then I do what she says. So <laughs> that's kind of how there it you works. You take, you, you take coaching. Two sets of twins, Mike. You want to talk about some zone coverage right there. I couldn't imagine that, man. That's amazing. <laughs> That's crazy. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, now, Mike, I used to, uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, in Boston, NBC Sports Boston, my weekly, my, my weekly guest, my weekly analyst was Dr. Myron Roll. And we would just talk about all things NFL. So I just got used to calling him Dr. Roll. I'm not, I, I can't even call you Myron. I got to call you Dr. Roll. <laughs> so Dr. Roll, uh, good to see you in this space. I've heard you, and we never talked about this we were doing football coverage on Sundays. I've heard you made, uh, make a couple of references to your faith. Uh, tell us about that journey and how maybe what some of the, some of the milestones are, uh, some of the revelations are for you, because it's, it sounds like uh, th- that informs pretty much everything that you're doing. Absolutely. You know, when I was 10 years old, I had a bit of a temper. Uh, I was an angry young man, and I think it was coming from the Bahamas and Growing up in a suburban white town in southern New Jersey, uh, I would get called racial epithets at times. I would get suspended from school. I would fight. I would uh, steal from our local grocery store. These things that people are like, wow, really, Dr. Oh, this was you when you grew up? But it really was. I just was, I did well in school and I was a good athlete, but I thought that my behavior didn't have to match anything else. I just thought I can have an attitude and do what I wanted to do. And uh, one time I just took it a little bit too far and beat up this kid very badly, he had to go to the hospital for his injuries. He took me to court in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And um, thankfully, by the grace of God, I was able to walk out of that courtroom just shaking his hand, doing some community service. Uh, my parents were very, very nervous that we were going to get like deported to the Bahamas or something. But, you know, at that point, I made the pivot. I made the switch. I gave my life to Christ about a month later. And I started thinking about and thinking through things with the lens of Christianity that, you know, I, I have to be better. I have to do more. Uh, I know that, you know, I have a God who's helping me, who looks over me, covers me, helps lead me and guide me, protects me through all things. And so that's been sort of a fuel to continue to move forward and suppress that anger and that temper that I had to be a good person, to be a good human and treat people well. And so I've never gone back to 10-year-old Myron. I've, I've been able to grow from that. And I, I thank my faith a lot, a lot for that. Good stuff right there. Uh, going going back it to is. the uh, it is. the two the two percent way, uh, just kind of like reverse engineering this a little bit. It reminds me of what's what's the uh, the proverb? Or, or, you know, how does uh, how does a man eat uh, um, an uh, elephant with one bite at a time? It kind of reminds me of that of that sort of thing, that sort of mentality to you know achieving big goals. But in the in the reverse, do you feel that people? Because this really did speak to me. Uh, as, as simple as it is, as it, as it seems on the surface, this, this really did speak to me. Do you find that people tr- like focus too much on the 100% and maybe that causes quite a bit of strife, quite a bit of anxiety, quite a bit of doubt, 
quite a bit of, uh, you know, anxiousness when it comes to our journeys because instead of just focus on that a little bit at a time, we're trying to get to 80 and 90 and 100% as quickly as possible. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. And I think that is an, uh, an absolute, uh, you know, uh, challenge that we face today. We can compare our journey and try to juxtapose what we're doing to somebody else, especially through social media. You can look to see mm-hmm. what someone's doing. You think they have it yesterday. You think they have it tomorrow. You think they have it all done next week. And, and you f- might feel like you're not enough, that you're not good enough, that you're not doing enough, that you're not worthy. And so I think the 2% way helps break that down, move away from that noise, that background noise that could distract you or even depress you in a way and keeps you away from comparing Mm -hmm. yourself to someone else. You don't know what they're doing in their life. You don't know the struggles and demons that they have to face. But what you have to do is continue to move forward, have that small win, stack up those victories, and win each day. And and it's actually a a neuroscientific process to this, too, guys. I mean, we have six lobes in our brain. One of our lobes is called the limbic lobe. And if you are able to achieve well and feel good about yourself, your reward pathway in your limbic lobe is activated, where these neurotransmitters are released, and you have this feeling of euphoria, like, I just did something very good. And I don't think we celebrate ourselves enough. We don't celebrate the journey through the process enough. We often feel like we have to just put our head down and, and just look up when a big goal happens or a big achievement happens. But that's not true. There's enough danger and depression in the world today that we can love ourselves every single day, be grateful for having the breath of life, and be grateful for being able to move forward every single day. And uh, this book is all about that, and we're excited about it. The doors of the church are open. <laughs> yes. Now, at, that was at my church, church, they that was church to, and school anyway. at the same time. That was, that yeah. was church I, and medical right. school right. at the same time. I was going to say, no, it's been, it's, it's the pandemic, I haven't been to church in a while, but the church I went to uh, before the pandemic, they used to sing this song at the end. I, 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 we need a choir here. I can't be the, uh, I can't be the choir for it, but that deserves song. some song. Organist. But let me, uh, yeah. let me ask you this. Uh, Dr. O, most of the time, You'll hear professional athletes generally at the end of their career and say, you know, I'm going to miss uh, the camaraderie. There's nothing outside of football or nothing outside of whatever the sport is that can really compare to this. And most of the time, I understand what they're saying. But in your case, I mean, you have a team working with you. You're saving lives. That euphoria that you just mentioned, I'm sure, is there when you help somebody who came in uh, in, in, a, in a lesser condition, you made them better. How does it compare? I mean, I, I would imagine it might be greater. Dare I say, is it even greater than a sports achievement? Uh, no question. No question about it, Mike. I mean, I think that, um, you know, having the opportunity to, to operate in someone's brain or someone's spinal cord, uh, it just feels like you are blessed that you have uh, this moment where somebody is vulnerable, have nowhere else to go, and nowhere else to look. And here they are on your operating table with your attending or your colleague, and you have the chance to save this life or help uh, cure an ailment that they might possibly have. And working through this science, this discipline of neurosurgery, is giving me profound perspective on life in general. You know, we have people who are walking dogs the day before and out at church the day before, and then for some reason have a stroke or get hit or fall or something like that, and their whole life has changed. You know, how they breathe, how they eat, who sees them, if they're gonna be able to walk again or talk again, that's all change. And so life is so precious. And the ability to help bring people back from the brink of death 
or the brink of just severe pain or severe disability to a sense of a meaningful and a purposeful life, uh, that, that does feel good. And uh, it's very rewarding. And uh, it makes, you know, uh, waking up at 4.30 in the morning to get there for, for cases and leaving 7.30 at night, making sure that everybody's tucked away after you leave for the day. Uh, it all makes it worth it for sure. Dr. Myron Rowe, this was certainly worth it for us. Uh, thank you for taking the time to be our Axe Effect interview of the week, man. You exude such confidence. Uh, I'm confident that your next 35 years, you're gonna do some incredible stuff. Thank you for sharing this story. Thank you for sharing this handbook with the rest of us. Great. It's another way that you're helping people. What you got, two years left in your residency at MGA? That's uh, right, MGA. two years. Well, my, yeah. yeah, my God, I, I do wanna say something too really quickly that uh, that really yeah, helped please. me. And you might, you might not remember this, but when I was uh, on my third day in my draft, uh, you and I were texting and I was very nervous that I wasn't going to get drafted and I was and you kept saying Myron keep your head up keep your head up keep your head up and then finally when I got drafted pick 207 in the sixth round you text me and said boom there it is I'll never forget it so it made me feel good you've been with me for a long time and Michael Holly man obviously we we've been riding together with NBC Boston so I appreciate you brothers and thank you for giving me the space to talk thank about you. this book it really means a lot absolutely no it means the world to us man thank you so much we're proud thank of you brother thank you brothers. so much thank you thank you Yes, we are. Take care of them babies. Two sets of twins. Man. Woo. <laughs> Two, like, that's the next book. That's the next book. <laughs> right? That's the, that's the 2% way. The, the two times two way. Right there. <laughs> For sure. Irresistible. The Axe Effect. All right, man. Um, I'm checking Twitter here. Have you seen a Colin Kaepernick signing today? I have not no. seen a. I have not seen a Colin Kaepernick uh, signing, but I did see a on. reference to more teams being interested in Kaepernick. Maybe here's my optimism, uh, optimistic outlook for the weekend. Maybe he's considering his options because it's not Maybe. just the Raiders. Yeah, a signing is not so. imminent, reportedly. Uh, but yeah, we need I'd optimism see right with now. Somebody. Let's, let's remain optimistic. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.